0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Housen. and I'm James Marriott. Coming up, uh, we've got a bit of bully ahead of Wednesday's trip to a ground that he knows quite well. Um, he ain't turned into dust and he ain't hundred yet, but uh, we've got Stephen Fletcher, also another departure from S6 plus Alpinions. Uh, I've got a feeling it's going to get a little bit heated today. We'll have to uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, first of all, then, so um, well, we we both thought that this could be the banana skin. I was, on the day of the match, I was absolutely convinced that we were going to lose. Um, it just felt like it was so set up for it. But Wednesday 2, Barnsley 0, I was never in doubt in the end.
1: No. It definitely helps when you score after 100 seconds.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, early goals do make all <laughs> yeah. the uh, all the difference. So Jacob Murphy, all the uh, West Brom fans told us he was rubbish. Um, and he scores with, was it his first touch in a Wednesday Yeah, two? it was.
1: Brilliant. uh, The incredible thing is, too, that, of course, Jacob Murphy was not down to start and actually make his debut. He was only in the team because Barry Bannon pulled out the day before with a calf injury. Uh, So, for Murphy to come in, the attacking option, and, yeah, him and Kadeem Harris were, I I, I thought, just a real handful on the day. The front three were... Yeah. It's
0: it's bizarre, isn't it, that that ended up being the front... Three kind of not by design, kind of because of Barry Bannon being um, out injured. Because um, Barnsley just didn't know what to do, they didn't know how to, to cope with it. And it, it almost felt mm-hmm. like actually we sort of we won that game without really having to go too far up the gears in a lot of ways because mm-hmm. um, it was, it, it just felt like it was inevitable. I mean, I, I got a bit worried at half time just thinking. It should be 2 or 3 by now we've 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 wasted chances we've had chances we should have taken more um, you know Adam Reach probably should have scored. Um, there was... Was it Harris who probably should have scored as well? Uh, a couple of, of very similar chances. Actually, quite similar to the to the one that we did score. And another couple of chances kind of throughout that first half as well. And you just think, well, Barnsley are going to come out, you know, 100 miles an hour, second half. And if they kind of, you know, get into their flow, this it could end up being one of those frustrating games. But it didn't really happen. I don't, I don't think Barnsley were terrible. Um, but... We didn't really have to try too hard to get three points.
1: Barnsley were naive and played into Wednesday's hands. It's it's almost as if they hadn't watched Wednesday, any of the video from how Wednesday had tactically set up against Reading the week before. It was incredible, really, that Barnsley pretty much came with the game plan of this is how we play. We're going to play out from the back no matter what. And the amount of times that they played themselves into trouble was untrue. But also... By the same token, very important to mention that for the second week running, the high-intensity pressing and the energy that Wednesday is showing. There was one great moment in the first half where Stephen Fletcher, who, as we keep on saying, just looks in the best shape, certainly that he's ever been in at Sheffield Wednesday. Without a doubt. uh, Absolute workhorse up there. But he pressed that Barnsley defence high, went from in the central position to out wide and then quickly joined by his mates. You've got then Kieran Lee snapping at the heels. Eventually, Wednesday won a free kick, which actually came to nothing, but it was the intent yep. and that's what I like to see from that. But yeah, very important to mention there were two key moments uh, in that game. For uh, The fact is that Barnsley dominated the ball, did nothing with it, whereas Wednesday were clinical with the two chances uh, in the goals that they scored. Could have scored more late on when Massimo Luongu's come on, Sam Hutchinson, Jordan Rhodes. Uh, so, yeah, they could have won by more, should have won by more. Uh, and so I think that's if you're going to be pedantic about it. That's where Wednesday still can be a little bit more ruthless and improve. It's about, but at the same time, five goals from the opening two games and only one conceded. I think people would have taken that. Yep. But, yeah, two key moments. One before half-time. Cameron Dawson with the... The first real chance that Barnsley'd had, great save from Corley Woodrow, good block. Uh, That should not be underestimated that he'd had nothing to do in that first half. Absolutely zero. Concentration levels were great. And the spotlight was on Cameron Dawson too, knowing that he's not realistically going to get too many opportunities unless Kevin Westwood is injured or suspended And he didn't keep loads of clean sheets, as we all know, last season. So for him to come in, that's going to do, I think, a power of good for his confidence. And then the second moment, midway through the second half, Wednesday 2-0 up. But Julian Borner, clearance off the line for Mamadou Tiam. That also, uh, I think people have to remember, was a pivotal moment. As If Barnsley score then, maybe Wednesday get a bit edgy, sets up a grandstand finish. But yeah, in the end, Wednesday comfortably saw it out after that and could have scored more.
0: Uh, both those moments are actually things on my list to talk about the Cameron, Sorry, mate. The Cameron Dawson uh, <laughs> save was uh, I think it was like it was a Kieran Westwood esque save because I, I don't think he knew a lot about it but he made himself big and he was in the right place at the right time which some of Westwood's uh, best saves just come from that kind of intuition that he has about just putting himself in the right place making himself big and he just stops the ball um, so um, yeah fair, fair play because that if, if that goes 1-1 just before. Half time, yeah. very, very different half time team sort, very different second half. The um, Julian Borner um, clearance off the line, not getting into talking about the technicals of this, just the fact that he celebrated that like yeah. he'd scored a goal. Now, um, it's not the done thing in the English game. Let's let's you know say that that's the it, it, it will probably be construed as being disrespectful or whatever. Tell you what, it's brilliant to see a defender who takes that much pride in what he's doing that gives a damn so much yeah. that he's fishclings celebrating the fact that he stopped a certain goal there. Fair play to the lad, and he had a, he had another good game as well.
1: Yeah, he did, and he's really growing into it. I, I actually think his style of play suits English football. He is combative and gets stuck in. He's no-nonsense, that's what we've seen. There's going to be tougher examinations to come. Yep. We all know yep. that, that Reading and Barnsley are not two of the big powerhouses of the Championship with respect to them both. Uh, and so, will his lack of pace get exposed by better teams? We'll have to find out. But I've liked what I've seen of Julian Borner and I also think he's a great character that's what it is it's the personality like you were saying i've i'd written about that celebration you don't see it very often from defenders but i i really enjoyed that that you know when that sort of picture circulated on social media i think the day after barnsley yeah. and you're thinking yeah that's the will to win and that's the yeah. hunger and the drive to keep the ball out of the net and to be successful and you need that if you're going to do well
0: there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with people taking pride. I mean, if 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 it ha- if if it's the defender playing against you, then you're probably a bit annoyed by that. But you know, he, he's a Wednesday player, and I I thought that was great. Um, here's the thing with um with with uh, Borner. I, I kind of watched him fairly closely on Saturday because, um, obviously he was captain at his previous team, very different sort of level. Um, touching on what you said there about the fact that you know playing Reading, playing Barnsley probably not the sternest test that we're going to get. The important thing there is it gives him and Tom Lees a chance to kind of get to know each other without one of those big tests coming right at the start of the, the season. Um, but he is, he is a natural leader born at and, uh, and, and you can see this by the fact that he is already the one that's barking the instructions left right and center he is taking charge of of situations um, and the better understanding that him and Tom Lees can get the better their communication gets in these games and, and I'm doing floppy bunny is as I say this because I don't want it to sound like I'm, I'm being um, presumptuous but in the easier games that we've got at the start of the season uh, that can't do us any harm because you know if him and Tom Lees can become rock solid if, if we think back to um, Lees and Leuven's and, and how you know they almost they, were, they could read each other's minds that doesn't happen instantly that takes a little bit of time um, so I think it's good that we're seeing a Bourne- kind of becoming the defender that he obviously is in terms of the fact that he's quite vocal, he's, he's quite well organised um, and Tom Lee's kind of learning how he works best off him. That could only be good when when we get really into the meteor games this season.
1: Yeah, 100%. And uh, yeah, with Borner he is different to some of the other foreign players that Wednesday have had uh, in previous years in Vincent Sasso and Federico Venancio at centre-half in the... We've already seen in the pre-season matches and in the first two games of the season that, yeah, he's not afraid to be vocal and bark out orders. And I think you still have to be patient with him. He will make mistakes. Uh, Everybody does. Uh, And the fact is that... the. His, you know, his English will improve again. The longer he's in this country, it's still a bit of a work in progress. Tom I spoke to Tom Lees earlier this week, and Tom Lees was saying that you know, he's enjoying the partnership, and he, and he thinks that that uh, you know Julian Bourne, is at the moment he's actually speaking sometimes in German to him, but Tom Re- Tom Lees would rather that he he's just talking, uh, even if he doesn't understand him, as it just shows that he's a presence out there. Uh, and that he cares and he's trying to do the job to the best of his ability and you can't can't really fault him i i think that you know so far um he's he's made very few mistakes uh, against reading and barnsley and it does look very positive yeah. it
0: does and and really promising i think you know we've we've wanted a central um, a, a kind of a back two pairing that can work really well together. We've 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 not had it for the last couple of seasons, and we've been crying out for it. So fingers crossed. It, all the signs there are good. Um, do you think Wednesday should have had a penalty?
1: I've watched that uh, yeah, even today. I was having a look back at the footage. I, it's impossible to tell. Uh, I, I f- well, it's it not impossible to tell because it was a penalty. Was it a penalty? I think it was a penalty. I I honestly don't know. I I I'd still look at it now. I can't. Clearly see whether he's definitely handled outside of the box. All I know is this: he took a huge risk and he got away. With, he might have got away with it, but but from where I'm, I am up high in the south stand. Uh, I'm thinking at the time, well, oh, you know, maybe that was handball. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, not sure on the handball. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry, the penalty. Sorry, I'm getting confused here. I was thinking of the handball. No, no. no it was a hundred percent penalty. Sorry. <laughs> so, sorry. You missed doubt myself. No, in. no, no, sorry. Uh, I thought you were talking yeah. about the handball. The handball, um, I'm
0: not I, I was still I missed that. I was still down finishing off my beer at half time. Uh I've watched it back and it's 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 non-conclusive. Um and this is like um it, it's. It would be. It would have been Wednesday won the game anyway, but it would be one of those. It kind of ruined the match. I think if Barnsley get the goalkeeper sent off, go down to ten men. Yeah, it's kind of game over at that point. Similar to uh, Cameron Dawson against Norwich last season. It's like if he gets sent off in the like the first five minutes or whatever it was. It's kind of like well, the game's just pretty much done. And 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 decisions like that, I think, just ruin football matches. So um, I think it's. It's fair play if they weren't absolutely certain that it was. It It was
1: inconclusive, I thought, from the footage, and that's that's what I thought you were referring to then. No, no, no. in the penalty, that could have been two. It was was arguably handball, and then he's completely barged Jacob Murphy over. Oh, yeah, no, that was a stonewall penalty. Yeah, absolutely
0: was. Um, All right, let's talk about the new boys. We've touched on um, Jacob Murphy uh, a little bit. I I do, I kind of want to dwell on, I know we've talked about it a bit, just dwell on, Kind of Wednesday, playing with uh, width and playing with pace and running at teams. Uh, we've not seen this for years, and it's brilliant. And seeing it on on both wings, seeing two players that can do it, um, and they seem to have a good understanding between them because there's a bit of mm. you know interchanging going on. Um, you you've got like that whole front three just seemed to. It just worked. It was just. It was so.
1: It was so good to watch. Um, it's not always going to be I, like that. I, I, no, it's but, it's. but on that not day, fun. it really did click. Uh, and for Jacob Murphy, it really does help when you score inside the opening two minutes on debut. It couldn't. You know, so that lifts him straight away. Uh, do you know what? Actually, I found uh, it was really interesting insight from uh, Lee Ballman when I caught up with him a couple of days ago, and uh, he said that. When we were talking about so David Bates, he didn't make the eight the eighteen mm-hmm. and he explained the reasons for the, the travelling time, the fact he only trained once. Jacob Murphy only trained once. Uh but then when I, but when Barry Bannon's pulled out, he then you could look at it and you could have gone, Well, you could move Luongu into the centre, keep reach out wide still. But what Lee Bullen said to me was I wanted to go for the the attacking option at home. I wanted to be on the front foot. And he's talked a lot about, uh, he believes, when you play a 4-3-3, three, three, and he wants those wingers to stay wide. He doesn't want them to come infield and start looking for the ball. He's trying all the time to keep that width. Uh, but, of course, it puts the emphasis then on a Kieran Lee, possibly a Massimo Luonga in the future, if you're then playing Fletcher up top, you don't want him to get isolated. So it makes it very important that you get Luongu, Adam Reach, Kieran Lee constantly in and around Fletcher if you're going to keep the two wingers out wide. Uh, But they were very disciplined and that was it. And they interchanged positions so you weren't always getting Murphy on the right. Sometimes he was going on the left and vice versa with Harris. So it worked a treat.
0: It was great. Uh, It was just exciting. My... Worry here is, um, are, are we kind of still in the Lee Bullen honeymoon at the moment? Because is the way that Wednesday are playing right now, is it sustainable through a, a season? Is there a point where, you know, I, I guess when you're caretaker manager, you just think game to game. You've not got to think about a long-term um, game plan. Um, which actually maybe maybe is not a bad thing for a permanent manager to just take it game by game and not worry too much about the the future, just win the game that's in front of you. Um, but we we saw this when Lee Bullen was caretaker manager last season, and what he did, he brought back in the players that had not been in the team, and you know that gave everything a boost. Um, but you know, kind of that he didn't need to worry about the longer term picture. Is is there just a risk here of you know we're still in sort of a bit of a honeymoon period, and actually we're going to come crashing down to earth?
1: I know what you're saying, but I think we're going to learn more from the next three fixtures. It's a big week coming up for Lee Bourne the team, keeping this momentum going that mm-hmm. they've generated from the good start that they've made. We all know that when we saw the fixture list, this looked a kind start. Yep. Uh, and there's no getting away from that. And that's not taking anything away from Wednesday. You still have to go out there and get the results and put the performances in. And they've done that. These three fixtures in eight days that are coming up, Millwall away, Luton at home, Preston away, two of them away from home, very long away journey. The squad is going to get rotated. He's not going to play the same team three matches in a row. And how tactically he mixes things up, as he, as he's going to have to, uh, let's face it, Millwall for a start, I know we'll probably go into it in more detail, they're going to be um, a bit physical and more direct. In fact, a lot more direct than what we've seen from the first two sides when they've played. So Wednesday are going to have to, for start, combat that and they're going to have to roll the sleeves up as there's going to be times where they're going to get asked some questions defensively that they probably haven't been asked so far. So how Wednesday stand up to that? But I'm sure that Lee Bowen is preparing for every eventuality uh, and that uh, he know that Plan A at the moment is working. There's no need to change Plan A, but you may have to dip into B, C and D in other matches to get the job done.
0: be interesting to see the next few games and how things sort of um, pan out when it, going towards the, the first international break. Um, Luongo, we've not talked about yet. Um, he nearly did a Murphy, didn't he? Nearly scored with his first mm. touch.
1: Should have scored for me what, as well. Um, yeah. How good it...
0: would that have been if both new players had scored with their first touch? It would have been... I, I, I... Has that ever happened before? It would have been beautiful, wouldn't it? It would have been beautiful. I
1: can't think of another time. By the way, one person that we haven't mentioned that I do want to give a quick shout-out to as I didn't actually, at the time, think he'd he'd had a really, really good game. But again, when I've watched the highlights back and I've sort of read and seen what other people said, I thought Sam Hutchinson was actually terrific on the day in doing the simple stuff and breaking play up. And uh, yeah, he... Again, looks in fantastic shape. It's just you're just praying that Wednesday can keep him fit for as long as possible, as he's such a big player in this team.
0: Yeah, um, we've we've also not mentioned um, Kieran Lee, looking like the Kieran Lee of old. Yeah. Um, great, great game for for him. I mean, I don't think there was anyone that that didn't have a good game. Yeah. I thought Adam Reach was quiet first half. He seemed to struggle to kind of get back into that central role. Uh, and obviously, cut, you've with, got to with cut in Not being there as you well, have, and, uh, yeah. uh, but he, he he certainly he got more into yeah. it second half.
1: And I, I, Adam I, I struggle to fault Adam Reach. No, I do as well. I, I, I've seen some people uh, who reacted to something I'd written from Lee Bourne about Adam Reach and his adaptability the other day, and there were a few people who, who were criticising Adam Reach and saying, "Well, he doesn't contribute. Doesn't do this, that, and the other." the, the, the guy. In assists and goals, we've said it before, it was nearly 20 last season. He's a pivotal player in this team. He's integral. Uh, and and also, it's not easy. It can't be easy when you're asked to play one role one week and a completely different one another. Uh, and so you're not getting a long run in the side. So, yeah, I think it's grossly unfair, some, some of the criticism that Adam Reach seems to attract.
0: I I really don't have a problem with him. I think that uh, he is he is a player that doesn't go into those fifty fifty tackles in the way that someone like Sam Hutchinson does. Um, he's also the only player we've got in the squad that's not had a serious injury in the last two and a half years. Now those two things, there's probably a connection there. And if it means that we keep Adam Reach injury free, I don't mind if he's not flinging himself into challenges with with little regard as to uh, you know whether or not he's going to come back out of it. So um, yeah, it would I think it was just noticeable in the first half. It was just that little bit anonymous. Came into it more in the second, which but is uh, which is good.
1: And in the first half, he could have scored.
0: Yeah, should have scored. Should have scored. Bad bad first touch, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just a heavy first uh, first touch. I think an Adam Reach, who's banging form, just mm. buries that without even thinking about it. But um, yeah, I do have a complaint. To me? Or uh, in general? Not, not, not a general complaint um, about... It, it's... Um, not specifically about this game, because I think this is going to be something that's um, going to be an issue through the whole season.
1: I think you're being overly negative today, I must say, actually. That's probably the third or fourth, sort of, you I've, know. I've, little... got my, I've got my Doom hat on. Yeah, you um, really have, you take it off me.
0: The numbers and the names in gold on the back of the shirt, yeah, I can't see that. No,
1: I actually, I agree with They're you. Awful. I didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah, it's bad, it's difficult. We're lucky that we know the players, we recognise them, but yeah, it, for the opposition...
0: If you're, if you're an away commentator at Hillsborough, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, That must be, that's going to be a tricky one, that, isn't it?
1: Get your binoculars out. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, there's got to be something we could do. Surely there's a better colour than gold. Just fades into them. You just can't... Uh, rubbish. Um that's it, they're my, they're my, that's my complaint. That's my complaint.
1: You're allowed no more complaints today. Uh, or you will definitely be taking it. I've got a me. bit of a
0: moan Oh, to here we go. Sorry. We'll do that we'll do that one later though. I'll leave a bit of time between them. Uh the right, top of the table
1: man. Come on, we,
0: lighten up. Table doesn't cancel Christmas, you know the rules. Uh right, let's talk transfer news. So um as we kind of touched a little bit on last week and discussed a bit, um so Van Aken out on loan to Zweibundesliga. Um, which is, um, I think, good move all around.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. As soon as David Bates came in last week, you're thinking that that means that either Jordan Thorneley or Jos Van Aken, one of them at least, go, yeah. needs to go out and get some football. And probably more important for Joseph Van Aken, who is 25, only played twice last season through <sighs> injuries. He's had horrific luck with ankle surgeries and problems over the last sort of 12 to 18 months. That guy just needs to go out and play regularly. Yeah. And he's still contracted to the football club until 2021. Uh, so next summer, if he's co- hopefully he's played 30-odd times in Germany, done well uh, in an ideal world, and then who knows, he might come back and be like a new signing almost
0: he needs to find himself again doesn't he because he's, he's a bit lost at the moment um, and for yeah for various different reasons he does need a good run in a, in a team so he's, he's going to um, a second tier German side who are not a particularly great team got promoted last season uh, probably not going to pull up any trees this season although it's a, really, it's a real tight league that one um, but I don't think that's a bad thing because it gives him a chance to have a real good run of games um, and to, to sort of just I don't want to say learn his Restore trade again because it's, that's having. quite patronising but um, just yeah, you know, just kind of get back to doing what 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 he does, um, and then we either get a player coming back to us who's who's got his mojo back, um, or it's not going to do any harm in terms of market value, is it? If we if we do decide that we want to kind of shift him on permanently, it might just be that he's just better suited to the to the continental style of football than, than it could the, well the be that one. Who
1: yeah, we'll find out. I, I, the only other thing I would want to say on um, the the defensive side is that. Uh, I know that there are a few clubs who have been sniffing sort of around Jordan Fordley in terms of bringing him on loan. I'd be very reluctant to do that. um, As if Jordan Fornley goes, that only leaves you with three recognised centre-backs. And I always think, that, especially when you're playing a four, and that seems to be the way they're going, four is the perfect amount. Two two players per position as cover. If you let Fornley go, then the only way that you'd be able to compensate for that uh, well, actually, I say that there's Dominic Iorfa and Sam Hutchinson, but we don't really know yet about Dominic Iorfa mm-hmm. as to where he's going to play this season. I think all sort of to be revealed really on that front, and, and I think it's going to be uh, interesting to sort of get Lee Bowen's take on where he sees him playing. As in pre-season, it was centre half, but of course last year it was right back.
0: Yeah, we will uh, we'll find out. Um, nothing else on transfers. Um, other than um, Stuart Downing, apparently nearly a thing in the uh, in the summer. I would say, lucky a sketch honest. I don't think that he'd particularly have a role to uh, to play in this. As uh, far this as, team, as right? well,
1: yeah. As far as I un- uh, understand, that that was there was nothing in Stuart Downing, or Lee Catamull, for uh, that matter. Oh right, that's and interesting. So they were both heavily linked around the time when Steve Bruce was still in charge. Right. But yeah, um, from bit, a bit of agent talk going on, yeah. It? Oh, yeah, it was, and, and also it went completely against what did Steve Bruce constantly bang on about, uh, injecting some youth and energy yeah. into this team. So bringing in two guys uh, who are uh, in their 30s would have been on decent money as well at a time when they were under a soft embargo trying to reduce the wage bill doesn't really stack up.
0: Right, I think that's uh, enough of us. Let's hear from the gaffer. Here's Lee Bullen.
2: No matter how early in the season it is, uh, how good is it this week to to see Wednesday at the top of the table?
1: <laughs>
3: yeah, but I'm also a realist, and our feet are firmly planted. I've said it every every. By the way, I hope it continues because it means we're winning. But every interview I do, I'll say our feet are planted. Remind us all the time about about how difficult the league's going to be in pan out and. The thing that frustrates me is a lot of people sort of saying, well we've not beat anybody and I think that's completely disrespectful, one to Reading, two to Barnsley. And people forget that over the last two or three years these are the type of games that we would have dropped points. We dropped points to your Burton Albions in the past no disrespect, the teams that were nearer the bottom of the league and um let ourselves down against teams that we were expected to beat. It's wholly disrespectful to the two teams we've played. Uh and the fact that Fulham went to Barnsley and got beat the week before also proves how difficult this league's going to be. So all we can do is beat what's in front of us. That's the plan again tomorrow. Let's see what transpires, because I know I know Neil Harris has, has had a good start to the season with his boys as well.
2: Yeah, you talked last weekend about out-Barnsley and Barnsley. Barnsley. Mm-hmm. What, what, what are you expecting from Millwall? So are you going to try and out-Millwall,
3: Millwall? I think we'll, we'll have a plan in place, what to do to, to handle... Millwall I think it's important we pick the the right starting living to deal with what Millwall I mean again we we'll, we've we've analyzed Millwall and what we feel their what we feel their strengths are and their areas that we can maybe get benefit from and we'll try and pick a team accordingly that will be able one to combat what they're going to throw at us and two maybe exploit little areas that we feel we can um so it doesn't necessarily mean that the team that start. I like. I like to try and keep a continuity within a team, but ultimately you've got to play what's in front of you. So if it means there's one or two changes and trying to handle what we could expect from Millwall, then then we'll make them. And what we feel as a staff is the best uh, the best eleven stroke eighteen. Because the bench is going to be important as well, depending on how the game's going and what we need to do and how to potentially see a game out or chase a game. Um, and we know it's going to be a very physical encounter. We know Millwall have big physical boys. Um, Neil's got lads with a hell of an attitude to the game. And they like giving teams bloody noses. And um, We'll have to stand toe-to-toe with them tomorrow, first and foremost. And hopefully hopefully, then our, our quality players can pick their pockets and get the
2: right result. Barry Bannon and, and his calf, how's he looking? Any chance of playing this weekend?
3: Eh... Uh, big chance of playing this weekend, I think he's available for selection, so we'll assess training session this morning, it's the first one he's going to join in is this morning but he has trained all week with the uh, sports scientists and fitness guys, so we'll make a late decision on that one whether or not he starts or is in the squad
2: I imagine the return of Kieran Westwood and Dominic Iorfa will give you a, a welcome selection headache for Yeah, the weekend. a nice
3: headache, that is uh,
2: even more pressure to try and pick a
3: Never mind an 11 and 18, but it's a it's a nice headache to have, shall we say? So they certainly come back into reckoning for for a tough game down at
2: Millwall. I imagine that Dom in particular is itching to get back after missing obviously the last game of last season and then the first couple of this season. I'm sure
3: he will be. I'm sure he will be. A little bit of rashness and second last game of this season, and he's paid for that and been quite a frustrated figure at the moment. I think, especially looking from the stand and seeing how well the lads have started the season I think he's desperate to to play
2: a helping hand shall I say Jus Van Aken's gone out of the club this week to uh, Bundesliga 2 yeah good deal for all parties really I think the lad needed to play I think ultimately
3: we've brought David Bates in we've got Julian Borner there We've still got Jordan Thornley here, we've got Dominic who can play centre-back and obviously we've got the skipper, Tom. So I think uh, it was the right thing for the club, the right thing for the player and um, I'm sure he'll go over there, get games under his belts and get himself back to the levels that we know he can get to.
2: In terms of the squad as a whole, is there anybody else likely to be going out either on loan or permanently? Uh, I think
3: potentially. There might be one or two possibly younger players. Um, I think League One and League Two are still able to... Uh, take loans and obviously after three four games they can pick up injuries and suspensions and there might be something like that but as it stands at the moment there's nothing nothing definite so we'll just work with the squad we've got at the moment
0: i mean the two the two pacing wingers i think everybody knew about but the guy's come under the
2: radar a bit at it center of he's mm-hmm. settled in and uh, mm-hmm. he looks a quality addition
3: yeah the lads love him to bits he's, he's such an infectious character and he's come in and settled in he's maybe harping back to, he's, he's an old school sort of centre-back, no airs and graces, doesn't want to be pinging 50-yard passes and dribbling the ball out from his own 18-yard box. He wants to defend. And I think the one image that that caught the headlines last, last week was the one where he's cleared the ball off the line and celebrated clearing the ball off the line. Now, I love seeing that from defenders. I love it when goalkeepers celebrate making a big, big save, a crucial save at 1-0 up or... Or whatever in a game, and I think it's as good as scoring a goal, that type of thing, at times. Um, And I like that, and I think they deserve they deserve a lot more recognition for things like that. Obviously, the headlines go to the boys that knock it in the back of the net, but that can just be as crucial, and it's it's great to see.
1: As a defender, you love that. Oh, I
3: love that absolutely, absolutely. It was class. It looks so simple, but to have that natural instinct to to stop a stop a ball heading towards your goal to just throw your body in front of something or head something away is uh, it's not an easy thing to have so it's, it's nice.
2: David Bates wasn't in the, the squad last week I mean, yep. is, is he ready to play if called upon whenever? Oh he's ready to play if called upon absolutely
3: um, but we've had this discussion with David ultimately we've had two good victories we've had a clean sheet last week he's a professional footballer I've been there as a player as well, sometimes you just got to bite your lip, bide your time, wait on your opportunity and take that when it comes along, but we're now at a point where we're starting to get into the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday scenario now, so the full squad will be utilised, uh, everybody, some lads that maybe haven't even been in the squad will come back in the squad, potentially get opportunities to play and then it's all down to the players and make it more and more difficult for me to to pick an 11 and stroke 18.
2: I imagine that the absence of a, a league cup this game hasn't helped that because that might have been an opportunity to, to give a few people a bit of game time that, that haven't so far. Yeah, it's not been
3: ideal from that point of view. I think there was quite a few bodies that would would have benefited from getting some game ta- um, proper game time. Um, unfortunately, that wasn't to be the case. So we've dealt with that, we've had a good week's training under our belt, lads have worked really hard again. Um, and hopefully, hopefully they're ready for a battle down in London.
2: Have you been given any indication about whether the, the Bury game will be rescheduled soon? No, or are you like everybody else, just
3: waiting to see? <laughs> like like you, I'm just reading all the EFL uh, press releases that come out. and I, I've got to be careful what I say, but I, I don't know. Um, I think somebody needs to make a decision. It's not it's not fair on us, it's not fair on Bury, it's not fair on Rotherham now as well it's it's ludicrous but we shall go with what they what they say
2: and and depending on that though great draw the next round rotherham local, uh, local exciting time.
3: draw if we get through the burry draw exciting draw yeah brilliant brilliant bang heads with warning on the sidelines again and shout a few expletives at matty hamshaw on the sidelines it'll be fun in games <laughs>
0: I bet he has a right old snigger to himself when he goes to the new den, kind of thinking back to um, to that, that game, was it like 2005-ish or whenever it was, crazy game when he ended up in the net and then that goal and then the other goal and uh, it's the kind of like story that you tell a young Wednesdayite when they're growing up and it just sounds like it's Made up, doesn't it? Stuff like that just doesn't happen in football anymore. That does it. Defender ending up in the net and then you score and win the win the game, cracking stuff. Um, so, of course, Lee Bullen is um, very much still in the hot seat. Um, obviously, no real movement in terms of manager this week. I've seen a lot, a lot of debate still though on social media about um, Lee Bullen and whether or not he's kind of cut out to um, to do this. I guess this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, wasn't it? About It's sort of still a little bit sort of honeymoon at the moment. And and these next three games will really give us an idea as to... um you know whether Lee Bullen is really is really cut out for, for for this and how you do things in the in the championship. We'll talk about the the, the individual games in a bit, but you've you, as you talked about three really tough games, very different kind of games. Um, but you'd look at those, and you know your natural thing to do is look at that Luton game in the middle and sort of think, well, that's where you'd make a couple of changes and not rely on that team that's kind of started the first two three games of the of the season um, just to kind of keep everyone. Every Everyone fresh, really. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see how, how he handles it and the decisions that he makes. Absolutely.
1: I think, first and foremost, uh, trying to pick the team that's going to play on Saturday is, is a tough challenge in itself. As Barry Bannon looks like he's going to be fit and available. You've got Kieran Westwood, who uh, is, is now served his suspension. Dominic, Dominic Iorfa has too. Uh, you've got uh, Massimo Luongu, who is now more up to speed. Another week, and you know, trained with the rest of the group. Um, so, how how would you go, James, for Millwall? What, what team would you pick?
0: I don't know. Um, you you kind of want to say, well, is is there any real need to change things too much from the team that played on uh, Saturday? However, it's a very different sort of game, and I'm I'm not sure whether Playing Harris and mm. Murphy is the is the right thing to do. Um, I think we need to be a bit more robust in the in the middle, um, and so I I can see Bannon coming back in. Um, I not I mean Luongu... I don't, I, I think he's going to play in one of those two games, whether it's whether it's Millwall, whether it's Luton. Um, I think he'll he'll get his first start in one of the, the the two. You would think that probably Sam Hutchinson will will sit one of those two out, but then again, I, mean, I don't know. It, it, I think it cons- I don't know. Yeah,
1: I think the conservative approach would be to move Adam Reach back out wide again and bring Barry Bannon in, as yeah. you say, uh, to partner Sam Hutchinson and Kevin Lee. Now. Will Kieran Lee be able to play on Saturday and then against Luton? As you flag up there, I I think Luongu will then be the one to come in for either Kieran Lee or Sam Hutchinson Mm -hmm. uh, for Luton. He's a great option to have. And you've, of course, got Jerry Pellepesi. So they're, they're not exactly short of numbers in midfield. Uh, but yeah, I, it's going to be incredibly harsh on Jacob Murphy, who had an excellent debut last week, but I, I do get the feeling that he might be the one to miss out at the Den.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it wouldn't surprise me either, but it, it's it's such a squad game now, and, and we've got such a kind of, as you always do this stage of the season, you've got a gluttony of fixtures coming up. You've just got to get it right. Um, if if Lee Bullen is genuinely just thinking game to game, though, then you, you're going to put out your strongest team on, on Saturday. You're not going to be thinking too much about Tuesday. You think we'll worry about that once you get Millwall out of the way. What do you do at right-back?
1: Um, Keep Moses Audubasio in, or do you bring Dominic Iol for in for his first appearance? We've conceded one goal in
0: two games. It's really harsh to drop someone um I offer's not not played. I I can see I offer on the bench. Um I'm not I'm still not sold on Adebayo. Um I really want to like him and and I think he was uh he had some really good moments against Barnsley. He's he's one of those players that just it just worries me a little bit. Uh but to be honest so was I offer I think that I offer got that tendency to sometimes to go missing a little bit so um
1: I don't know. It's a, it's a tough call that. What 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 would you do? I, w- I don't I, think I'd change that back for. I hear what you're saying, and you really, at this early stage of the season, especially when things are, are going well, and I get the impression that Lee Bowen is is a man who uh, is reluctant or doesn't like to make lots of changes at mm-hmm. once. He tries to, again, go uh, you know with a team who are, have got um, a winning formula and are doing well. Because it's Millwall and the physical threat and the the set-piece um, sort of challenge that awaits Wednesday, would you be tempted to put in Dominic Aylfer as he is six foot three uh, and is going to be a threat in both boxes? So as well as his athleticism that he gives you, I, I wonder if it's tempting to do that. I, I, so, you know, you'd still only be then keeping it to, it'd be two changes. Uh, but yeah, again... If, if you're Moses or Debajo, you, you'd feel pretty hard done by if you're left out. So uh, maybe I, I part of me's tempted to throw in Dominic offer Do I think that Lee Bourne will do that on Saturday? No. Okay. I, so I think it would just be Barry Bannon in for Jacob Murphy.
0: I'm assuming you're putting Westwood back in the... In the net. Well, yeah, sorry. It's kind yeah. of a given, isn't it? Well, yeah. Uh, the other side of that, of course, is the fact that, you know, we, we say you don't change the back line and we haven't done, but we did change goalkeeper because we had to and we still kept a clean sheet. And sometimes changing goalkeeper is the thing that can really disturb a, a defence because, you know, I, I guess we're at the stage of the season where no one's quite you know, settled into a rhythm yet, but. Um, they're very different in the way that they approach controlling their back four so the fact that we still kept a clean sheet on, um, on on Saturday would mean maybe you can change a player in that back four and it not disrupt things too much I just I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it and I think we've uh, we've been there this time about 12 months ago when it comes to uh, swapping and changing a back four and that didn't go very well um, so mil Millwall they beat Preston at home first game of the season then they drew at West Brom last Saturday then they went back and beat West Brom uh, in the cup on uh, Tuesday decent start for them um never an easy place to go as well and i think the last couple of visits we not done ever so well nil nil draw last season the game before the one that everyone will will kind of remember the one with no recognised striker uh, Joey palipessi scores a, a great goal but it was just a bit of a disastrous um, a disastrous game um it's a very different kind of test. We're going to really see kind of uh what what this Wednesday squad is really made of, aren't we, over um we've talked about kind of we're, we're going to see what Lee Bullen's really kind of made of. We'll see what this Wednesday squad is is actually how good it really is, I think with with the tests that are coming up. Would you take a
1: draw right now?
0: Uh, I can't say yes to that because I think we should be going out there trying to win. Uh, but do you know if, how, if is, we is get is a draw, I'm not going to be disappointed.
1: Is it for, do you know how many home matches Millwall have won this calendar year?
0: Uh, a lot. No. Oh, um, six.
1: I like this. It's the second week know. in a row where I've just thrown a little stat here. Two. Only two? That, that Preston one was only their second home win. In twenty nineteen.
0: I thought that it was an absolute like fortress at, at the at the den.
1: Not at the moment. Mm. Uh but yeah, I was talking to um a, a Millwall contact uh, yesterday and yeah, he was telling me that he expects there to be a big crowd on Saturday, should be a good atmosphere. Uh, and of course, actually, it's the first time that these two have played each other on a Saturday. Certainly in my time of covering Sheffield Wednesday, it's always been on a Tuesday night at the Den, so I'm sort of just relieved it's on a Saturday for once.
0: Yep, and obviously all the um, the London Owls um, are really excited about it being a Saturday game, because it is that long since, uh, I I cannot, I just can't remember the last time it was on
1: a... I think it was Saturday. seven years ago, but so, um, by and large they've been yeah in and around like the same division so that's it's still a long time that's quite a few visits I remember there being uh, a midweek game against Millwall uh, a
0: few years back, and we, we actually had to have a special shirt made for it because both our home and away kits clashed with Millwalls. So we, I think we were playing in like an all-white kit. I can't remember what the score was. I think it might have been one all I've got a feeling Giles Kirk scored. The only thing I remember it for is there's a brilliant video of, I think it's a policeman that's walking down the touchline during the game, slips, falls on his, on his backside, uh, and the whole crowd laughs.
1: And that's the only thing that I remember that that game for. It's funny you mentioned kick clashes. Of course, that's what happened when they last met in February. It was the same of where both Steve Bruce and Neil Harris were complaining that Wednesday w- wore their blue kit yeah, and yeah. then Millwall. So uh, they, they, yeah, they, weren't, they weren't, yeah, they weren't. So they weren't too happy or impressed with that, and uh, it probably contributed to a, a bit of a dour affair.
0: Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest game in the world. Uh, right, so this week we have had two new Blue and White supporters, James Vernon and Matt Firth. Thank you for signing up. Um, Singing the Blues is supported by our gold part- partner, Taito Law, uh, who are on Twitter. Taito Law uh, is T-Y-T-O-L-A-W uh, if you want to find them on uh, Twitter. If you'd like to support us, check the show notes on the app or on the uh, website. All the info is on there. Right, OK, he's had a great start to the season season. Um, in fact, he's had a cracking 2019 so far. Let's hear from Stephen Fletcher.
2: How's the body feeling at the moment? How are you feeling? Yeah, feeling good. Feeling good. We've got a
4: good pre-season under our belts. Um, and obviously the season started as well, so yeah, feeling
2: good. And fourth season now, I think, here. Does it feel like home now at Sheffield Wednesday?
4: It does, yeah. I'm settled, the family's settled, so it's uh, it's been a good... Uh, it's went quite quick, actually. doesn't feel like it's been that long, but yeah, it's been good. I'm enjoying it.
2: That surprised you a little bit, just just how long you actually have been here now.
4: Uh, getting on, now, aren't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's been it's been great. Uh, I've settled into living in Sheffield as well, so it's been good.
2: In terms of how the squad is now, does it really help that from the time that you came in, that there's still a good core of, of the players that have been there throughout your time?
4: Yeah, definitely. We've, um, as much as we've tried to add quality to the to the team, we've managed to keep a hold of uh, all the lads that when I first came. Which, it's always a good thing, you know, because it keeps, obviously, when the new boys do come in, they kind of understand how we want to play and that, so has been good.
2: Do you feel currently that you're in as good a form as you've ever had throughout your career?
4: Uh, yeah, injury-free, and obviously I got my knee problem fixed, which hampered me in my first two years I was here, so it didn't help, but pain-free and injury-free, and, yeah, obviously the, the pre-season was tough, so it's uh, it's got me in good stead for this season.
2: A bit different, I imagine, as well. With, with Steve Bruce obviously leaving midway through it, how how did that affect you and the, and the team? Were, were you disappointed with with just what happened there? I think
4: we kind of got our heads round it. I think we knew it was inevitable thought it was going to happen. Obviously, the rumours had been going on for a while. It took a little a little while for it to actually happen, but I think we kind of got our head round it. and... The boys done well, actually, to keep their heads down and just work hard and get through pre-season and, and do what they had to do. You know, they've got a job to do as well as all the speculation with the manager was still, we had a job to do, get ourselves fit and ready for the season. The boys done that very well, so um, credit to them, credit to the, the staff that, were, that stayed as well that kept the
2: boys on their, on their toes and kept going. From, from a player's perspective, is, is there any issue at the moment with, with the situation as it is? Obviously, we, we none of us know... What's happening with with the long term management situation? I think we can just
4: obviously with the lads that are here we just we're just kind of dealing with what is the now and it's uh, Billy's in charge and he's done a great job so far. But we've we've known I've known him since I've, even before I was at the club played against him as a player. So <laughs> I've known him for a long time. So to nothing's changed. He's kind of kept quite a lot of what. Bruce had done beforehand, but he's obviously done his little tweaks to what he wanted to do as well because he's his own manager, his own manager, you know. So he's done that and he's he's done it well. And like I said, he's, he has kept a lot of stuff that worked well for us when when Bruce was in charge. So there's no point in
2: changing someone that was working well. Obviously, uh, one of the differences this season from last season is is the addition of the two wide boys, really, and uh, Kadhim and, and and Jacob. That offers a bit of width, a bit of pace, in terms of how you play in, in your game, do you, do you feel that that is going to be a help for you? Yeah definitely, I think we did manage
4: to, to bring in a, a few boys in defence and that was always good but I did always think we needed a bit of pace up, I'm not saying I'm the slowest guy in the world, I'm not the quickest. Um, so to have a bit of pace round about me was always always nice. Me or the other lads who play up front as well, you know, it's it's nice to know that if you do go for a header you don't have to chase your own flicker. Someone else will chase it for you, so it's it's a good thing. Um but yeah, we all I think we needed pace on the way just to create chances and it kinda takes a bit of pressure off the main striker as because well, 'cause they're not obviously not playing up to you all the time. You've got a bit of different passes for the full backs and that to make rather than just coming straight up to the, the number nine. <laughs>
2: Great start to the season. What do you feel's possible this year?
4: Everyone's always expecting us to be up there and thereabouts. We are as well, you know. We've got to have ambitions. We've got to. We've got to think we're going to be pushing in the top half of the table. We have to think that oh, there's no point in going out every week, but we want to um, keep our heads down again. as we say that every year, you know, we just want to keep our
2: heads down and hopefully people don't take notice of us and we creep our way up the table. You're in your, your early thirties now. Do you feel like? You could potentially finish your career with Sheffield Wednesday.
4: Uh, yeah, I would. I would love to stay here as long as I could. You know, I, I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, the family's settled as well. My kids go to school in Sheffield, so it's nice. I've not really been at a club when with my family that I've actually felt really, really settled. This is the first time I felt like I'm settled here. So, yeah, but I've only got a year left.
2: <laughs> well, what is it then about Sheffield Wednesday? Because a, a big fan base, vociferous fan base, a real sort of uh, collective feel to what, what is it about the club that, that's made you feel like that it's a warming place everyone you go out you know and you get people want to talk to you and stuff
4: and you never obviously you get the odd person who doesn't really want to talk to you but it's a, it's a nice place and like I said it's more the family it's, it's they feel settled as well and that's obviously makes it a lot easier for me when your family are settled so it's good
0: He's about hundred. Stephen Fletcher, good to hear from uh, from him. Um, one thing that we touched on very briefly last week, because it was it was just kind of being uh, announced, it was just sort of breaking when we were recording, was um, this thing with the report into the North Stand and the issues, uh, particularly at the uh, the Derby match last season and kind of the fallout from uh, that. Now we. We don't tend to talk too much and dwell on off the pitch stuff on this on this podcast. We tend to just stick to kind of the football. Um, but uh, having had some time to kind of consume that, and I, you know, I sit on the north stand and I kind of saw the the way that, that things sort of unfolded on on Saturday. I mean, I I was in we we came in at uh, two o'clock, which is probably the earliest I've ever been in a in a football stadium as an adult, um, because you you just kind of. Uh, there were a couple of people on Twitter that did the maths about um, the number of people can get through a turnstile in a minute and the fact that if you didn't get there by, like, quarter past two, you're basically not going to get in. I've seen the photographs of the, um, the the queues and stuff on Penniston Road and it, it was just chaos. Now, um, obviously, we uh, left via Penniston Road and we actually wanted to be right over the other side of the, um, the stadium and it took us probably 20 minutes to... Get through because you you kind of like fight against the the tide of people coming the other way. Um, I, I I don't really know what to say on it because it is what it is, and as it stands now, it looks like it's going to be certainly for the foreseeable future. This is going to be the um, that's going to be the case. But um, I really really hope they can figure something out or find some way of solving this because that's something that it kind of ruins the. The day at the football, really, because you're always having to be aware of what time it is. You don't want to be queuing outside for ages, um, and then afterwards, kind of having to fight to kind of get to where you want to. It's just, I guess we'll 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 see what um what kind of comes of it of it all. But um, I'm really hoping that there's there's some kind of solution, and that this is not going to be the case for the um for the long haul. You know what? I, I actually thought about this afterwards, and I sat down and thought is it do we just need a new stadium now is it just time for that that debate to be had and i i said to a couple of friends about 3 years ago actually i said look why don't wednesday just try and do a deal with the council to take you know, a, a section of Hillsborough Park, build a new stadium there, and then give them the site of the current Hillsborough Stadium to do whatever: build a new school, new park, housing complex, whatever it might be, affordable housing or something. Um, and my friends were like, oh, "That's stupid." I've noticed quite a few people talking about that sort of like suggestion of you know, is is it worth trying to do something there? Days, um, uh, I mean, Hillsborough is an immersive stadium yeah. for for for. For, for all Wednesday fans, probably for all football fans in in a lot of different different ways, but um, it, it's it is getting to that point where it's 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 tricky now, isn't it? You know, it's just not uh, a stadium that was built to deal with the pressures of modern football and the rules of modern football.
1: I think it's a debate that is not going to go away anytime soon. Uh, but as you were saying there, it's a very emotive subject and. It really divides the fan base, and there's so much history, uh, you know, at that football ground. Uh, that I, you know, whenever I talk to Wednesday fans about. Yeah, you know, do you just you know, still want to be there in another hundred years, or you know, do you want to move stadiums? Uh, it, it, every every opinion's different. It is, yeah, uh, and and I think that's the the trouble really, and it's certainly something that you know, we know that Dave series some of the steering groups and fan forms, he's even put it out there, and it, it's the same of where you, you different voices and. Different fans who are saying, you know, some are, are for it and some are against it. Uh, and right now it's one of those that seems to have been put it's, it's on the back burner anyway at the moment. But, uh, yeah, when you're getting situations like Barnsley last week, uh, it's something that, again, rears, makes it rear its head even more, uh, you know, as a debate. And, yeah, so I'd, we probably haven't heard the last of people definitely talking am,
0: about it. Uh, right, our opinions time. Uh, we asked you to give Wednesday's summer transfer business a score out of 10. I went for seven, you went for eight.
1: By the way, most people agreed with me. That, uh, it was pretty I unanimous. Think, I mean,
0: all, all the scores were quite high. There was no one that seemed <laughs> unhappy with the recruitment. Um, I've done the sums. To be honest, there have been a couple that have come in since I've done the sums, but I worked it out last night. I was seeing a lot of eights and, the and nines. The comes in at seven, Nonsense. 0.95. I want to recount right now. <laughs> it was seven point nine five. Um, that's
1: still that's a victory for me. That's a victory. And to be fair, the victory w- for the people. I think
0: there's been two or three since, which were both like eights and probably a couple of nines. Yeah. So I'm gonna have to hand you this one hey. begrudgingly. Uh, so I think that will push the average well over uh, well over eight um, this week. Now, now um, after we recorded last week, we had a couple of pints and we got into a conversation about who we think the worst signing is of the Chancery era. And we disagreed. Um, I am very much standing by my guns in terms of the fact that... So he, here's what I take into account here. Um, money spent, expectation, and um, delivery. Um, so for me, Almanabdi without any doubt, is the worst signing of the Chancery era because he's barely played. And when he has played, he's not done anything. I can think of one goal at uh, the City ground that was that was good. Uh, and that is it. I cannot think of, of anything else that Alman Abdi's done in his time at Wednesday. Now, um, he arguably costs like four million quid. No, it, it, that was kind of a joint fee, wasn't it, with um, Daniel Poodle, so yeah. Yeah, probably three million quid. But three million quid, the return on that's just been terrible. Awful.
1: No one would disagree with you on that. Uh, I, I do need a little bit of help. Actually, can you remind me who I said? <laughs> <laughs> it was only two points. No, know? I know it was, but uh, I, 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 we did put a few names out there. Well, of we course, did. we've got Herbie Emanuelson, Emanuelson would, would be one. Daryl Latchman would be one.
0: But you said... You think it's Jordan Rhodes.
1: For similar reasons as to you, though, but I will put the disclaimer in there of, of course, that could change, hopefully, this season. Uh, But you would have to say that the record signing at 8 million and he has not scored double figures and has played over 50 matches, admittedly, yes, there are quite a few substitute appearances in there, but uh i refuse to accept the people who say that he's never been given a long run in the team or you know or or they don't play to his strengths and all those arguments when carlos signed him uh of, of course carlos when we say signed him it was a decision made by Wednesday yeah. at the time i wouldn't just en- entirely say that it was uh, carlos's uh, decision but when when wednesday bought him Uh, He then played 12 games in a row and scored, I think, three goals, and two of them were in one game against Norwich, Uh, and so he wasn't even starting for those playoff matches. So, you would have to say, last season he was on loan at Norwich, uh, and did he bang the goals in there? No, he didn't. Was he a regular in their side last season? No, he wasn't. He's come back to Wednesday. Has he started the season? No, he hasn't so it's a pretty powerful argument right now to say that that Jordan Rhodes would be would be up there as as would Joe van Aken uh, yeah. again for similar reasons that we're putting on the table I, I,
0: he didn't come with expectation did he van aken so i think it's unfair to put him in the same Yeah, place. yeah no I, I, um, I, but you're you know, talking I
1: think, for money that's been paid in the day yeah, series. And, and, and the um
0: the expectation that that comes with it you know we, we were um the general consensus when Abdi came in was this is a better signing than Forestieri. He was more mm. highly thought of by Watford fans. You know, they were gutted. They weren't that bothered about Forestieri going. There were a few that were a bit upset about it, but it didn't really make a lot of difference. They were absolutely gutted about Abdi leaving. Um, so he was an, a complete, utter failure as a Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, he was. Jordan Rudd <laughs> scored goals. Yeah, he was. He's won games for Sheffield Wednesday.
1: Yeah, in a good Sheffield Wednesday team, but he still hasn't scored anywhere near enough. Uh, and, and yet, less alone, held down a regular place in the team. And it, there, there was huge expectation that Jordan Rhodes was going to be the final piece in the jigsaw. And it, so far, it has not worked out. And I would love nothing more than for uh, Jordan Rhodes to make me eat some humble pie and prove me wrong. But as of yet, uh, we're now two and a half years on. Jordan Rhodes has not justified the amount that Wednesday have spent on him.
0: Maybe we should just agree on Daryl Lachman. Maybe he's the worst. Um, So, um, right, so that's where we're at with this debate. And this went on for about an hour last Friday. Um, So you're saying Jordan Rudd's, I'm saying Alman Abdi. Could be someone completely different. We want to throw it open to... Uh,
1: A couple of other names that, again, I'm sure some Wednesday fans will mention too. Sergio Busch. Yeah. And uh, Philippe Mello. We, were,
0: were they Chancery? Yeah, here? they were. Yeah. I think they were... No, no, they were. No, for by no, 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 before no. Yeah, no,
1: before the takeover was officially confirmed. Right. Uh, so, Chancery, inv- um, he bankrolled the, those deadline day signings, including Lewis McGugan, I think at the time, coming yeah. back in on loan. Uh, Will Keane, Lewis Baker. Yeah, um, all... Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chancery was involved in all of those right. deals, yes. Wow, yeah, they're... Um, <laughs>
0: last from, from the past boot. crikey
1: yeah. uh right so we want your
0: opinions then who is the worst signing of the Chancery era. Tell us what you think. We'll use some of your thoughts next Friday. Join in the conversation with the hashtag Alpinions on Twitter. Uh, You can catch Dom at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott and you can contact the show at Dom and James. That's about it. Thank you for joining us as ever. Let us have any feedback you have on the show. We appreciate your reviews. Please subscribe to us for free in your podcast app of choice to get the new episode every week and check the show notes for details about how you can become a Singing the Blue supporter. Up the owls and see you next Friday. Thank oh, you.